If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 18. It's good to see that uh, so many of you have returned from vacation. Luke chapter 18, if you're just joining us for the first time uh, this morning, I've been preaching through the gospel of Luke, uh, this book of facts about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And we're now in Luke chapter 18. We'll be reading verses 31 through the end of the chapter. Luke 18, 31 through 43. If you don't have a Bible this morning and would like to borrow one, you can just slip your hand up and one of our ushers will bring one to you. Luke 18, verses 31 through 43. Let's pray before we read. Well, Father, we thank you for every opportunity to open your word. And we just ask you now, Father, that you would fill us with your spirit. You would enlighten our hearts so that we might see amazing things in your word. Lord, we don't want to be men, women, and children that look into the perfect law of liberty, look into this mirror, and then walk away unchanged, forgetting who we are and forgetting what we're supposed to do. We pray, Lord, as we look into your word this morning, you would convict us, you would encourage us. Uh, Do whatever it is that we need in our hearts, Lord, and may we walk away changed and making changes. And we thank you, Father, for the the power of your Spirit working through your Word to change hearts. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. And as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Amen. I can't imagine what it would be like to be blind, especially to be blind from birth. I know many of you struggle with different types of visual impairments, maybe even blindness. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be blind from birth, never seeing a flower, never seeing a sunset, the ocean, never seeing the the face of your, your spouse or your kids. When I was Studying to be a physical therapist, believe it or not, I was a physical therapist before doing this. 
when I was studying to be a physical therapist to help us better understand to some degree the life of blindness. We had to wear a blindfold for 24 hours and either be led around by a friend or use a white cane. And it was wild just to go 24 hours with blindfolded sight. Uh, I, I seriously can't imagine going a lifetime with no sight whatsoever. And here in this story, Jesus meets a blind man. Now, we don't know if this man had been blind from birth. He, he, he could have um, received his blindness later in life through some type of disease or illness, but he could have been blind from birth, never seen a thing his entire life. But then this man here meets Jesus, and his life is changed forever. And this healing here, like so many of Jesus's other healings in the Bible, this healing is symbolic of something deeper. With this physical healing here, Jesus gives us a picture of the spiritual healing that he gives to every sinner who comes to him in faith. There are three main parts to this healing here. And the first thing we see here is a very hopeless situation. Jesus is he's, he's on his way to Jerusalem at this point in his life. He's been heading towards Jerusalem ever since Luke chapter 9. And Jesus reminds his disciples here what will happen to him in Jerusalem. He says in verse 32 that he'll be delivered over to the Gentiles, who are the Romans. Uh, he'll be mocked treated shamefully, spit on, whipped, and killed before rising again the third day. And that is now the third time here in the book of Luke that Jesus has clearly explained to his disciples what will happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem. Jesus knows that he will experience some serious suffering in Jerusalem, and Jesus reminds his disciples here that the Old Testament scriptures prophesied that he, the Son of Man, the Messiah, would suffer. He says in verse 31 that everything written about him in the Old Testament prophets would be accomplished. There are lots of prophets in the Old Testament books, the first 66 books in the Bible. All these prophets who lived before Jesus and prophesied about future things. And these prophets predicted that God would one day send a Messiah to this earth, a Savior who would somehow save people from their sins. And the prophets also predicted that this Messiah would suffer. Psalm 22, he would be forsaken by God. He would be mocked by his enemies. He'd be tormented by thirst, pierced through his hands and feet, despised and rejected by men. Isaiah 53, he would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be crushed for our iniquities. His soul would be poured out unto death. The prophets predicted that the Messiah would suffer. And Jesus reminds his disciples here for the third time now about his future suffering. But his disciples, they still just can't get it. You look at verse 34 again. Luke tells you three times here that they can't get it. He says, but they understood none of these things. 
The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. It doesn't matter how many times Jesus tells his disciples about his future suffering, they just cannot grasp it at this point. They just cannot comprehend yet that Jesus, God's Messiah, will really suffer and die. They just cannot figure out yet how his suffering and death could possibly fit into God's plan of salvation. It still just does not make sense at all to the disciples, and it won't make sense to them until after Jesus has actually risen from the dead in Luke 24, when Jesus then opens their minds so they could understand the Old Testament scriptures. Doesn't make sense at this point. So Jesus here is, he's still traveling toward Jerusalem. And listen, Jesus is almost there. I don't know if you realize it or not, we have almost made it to the end of the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 19, he will actually arrive in Jerusalem for the Passion Week, the last week of his life. He's almost there. Luke tells us here that Jesus is now in Jericho, which is only about 17 miles to the northeast of Jerusalem. And as Jesus is drawing near to Jericho here, he encounters this blind man, a man living in darkness, a man who had possibly never seen a thing in his entire life, a man who had no hope of ever seeing anything in his future. The book of Mark tells us that this man's name was Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus was sitting by the side of the road begging. Blind people in Israel were typically um, uh, dirt poor. Uh, Begging was usually the only way they could support themselves, and begging back in first century Israel was one of the most degrading things you could do. A Jewish writing from this time period says, it is better to die than to beg. And Bartimaeus is begging. You just think about Bartimaeus. I mean, this day had probably begun for Bartimaeus just like any other day. He he wakes up on some street corner possibly, or, or maybe wakes up in some, some little shanty of a house somewhere. He wraps his tattered clothes around himself. He, he starts making his way to the gate of Jericho, probably begging for a crust of bread along the way. Finally finds his way to the main gate of the town. He, he sits down, can't see a thing, but he hears all of these familiar sounds around him. And then he hears something a little different. A crowd going by, Luke says. Bartimaeus asks the people around him, what's going on? And these people tell him in verse 36 that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus was still pretty popular at this time in his life. There were lots of people traveling with him as he went from town to town on his way down to Jerusalem. And this massive crowd following Jesus is now passing by this blind man on the side of the road. And that blind man there, Bartimaeus, that blind man is a picture of all of us before we meet Jesus. His, his physical condition is a picture of our spiritual condition. Before you truly meet Jesus, 
for the first time in your life, in your, in your natural born condition, the Bible says that you are blind. Not physically blind, obviously, most of us, but you are spiritually blind. You're blind in your heart and blind in your mind. You, you are a lost sinner and your sin has blinded your spiritual eyes. You, you cannot see and interpret things in this life correctly. You might think you can, but that's just part of your blindness. You're actually blind to the fact that you're blind. And you really cannot see and interpret things in this life clearly or correctly. You can't see or interpret spiritual things in this life clearly or correctly. Matthew 4.15, the Bible says you're dwelling in darkness. 2 Corinthians 4.3, the Bible says the God of this world, Satan, has blinded your mind. Ephesians 1.8, the eyes of your heart need to be enlightened. Acts 26, 17, your eyes need to be opened and you need to be turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. In your natural born lost condition, you are blind, spiritually blind, blind in heart and mind. Living in a spiritual darkness, a terrible place to live. Helen Keller, most of you probably familiar with her. She was physically blind from birth. And someone once asked Helen Keller, isn't it terrible to be blind? And Helen Keller said, it's better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing with your heart. And that's you and me in our natural born lost Condition. Most of us have two very good physical eyes, and yet all of us are blind at heart, according to the Bible. But the good news is that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Right here, right now. Jesus is here, right now, in spirit. He is passing by, so to speak, and Jesus has the power to open blind eyes, and not just physical eyes, but also spiritual eyes. So that's, a, that's the first thing here, is a, a, a hopeless condition, this man, Bartimaeus. Second thing here is a desperate plea. Bartimaeus hears that Jesus is passing by and this guy he he can't he can't see his way through this crowd to actually get to Jesus so Bartimaeus does the next best thing he yells Jesus son of David have mercy on me amen the fact that the fact that Bartimaeus just addressed Jesus as the son of David, is highly significant. The people around Bartimaeus, if you remember, they just told Bartimaeus that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Just some simple geographical title for Jesus. Jesus, a man from Nazareth, is passing by. But Bartimaeus looks up and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
highly significant that a blind beggar would cry that out to Jesus. And why? Well, because that phrase, son of David, in first century Israel, that phrase was a very well-known title for the Messiah. The Old Testament prophets who had prophesied about this future Messiah, this, this, this Savior who would, who would suffer and yet somehow save people from their sins, the, the prophets had prophesied that this Messiah would be a descendant of King David, a distant son of David. And the Jewish people in first century Israel They were waiting for this messianic son of David. They were praying for the arrival of this distant son of David. Devout Jews back at this time, some devout Jews still do it. Devout Jews back at this time, first century Israel, they they recited these daily prayers that were called the 18 benedictions or 18 prayers. And the 14th benediction that devout Jews prayed every day was a prayer for God to have mercy on the house of David, the house of the Messiah. And in what was called the Habhanenu prayer, which the Jewish people prayed regularly, they prayed to God for the sprouting forth of a horn of David. The Jewish people they were, they were looking for, they were, they were praying zealously for this, this arrival of the son of David, the Messiah. And this blind beggar here, at the top of his lungs, just called Jesus the son of David. The only time in the entire book of Luke that anyone ever addresses him directly as the son of David. Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, somehow knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And we don't know how this blind beggar knew that. He probably heard about Jesus, heard about his teaching, heard about his miracles. And man, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he connects the dots. He puts two and two together and he becomes convinced in his heart that this man is not just Jesus from Nazareth. He's the long-awaited son of David. He's the Messiah. He's He's the Savior. And he cries out here, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. (laughs) And the people try to shut him up. Verse 39, Luke says, those who were in front, probably meaning that those who were in front of Bartimaeus, they they rebuked him, telling him to be silent. (laughs) Shut up, blind man. Be quiet. We don't know why they rebuked him. May have thought he was crazy calling Jesus the son of David. Or maybe, maybe they just thought Jesus had more important things to do than to mess with blind beggars. Earlier in this chapter, the disciples of Jesus rebuked some parents for bringing their kids 
to Jesus. Maybe thinking that Jesus had more important things to do than to mess with little kids. And now here the people in this crowd rebuke Bartimaeus. Maybe thinking Jesus had more important things to do than to mess with blind beggars. But they didn't know Jesus. Because Jesus seeks and saves blind beggars. His heart is for the outcasts in this world. The broken, the despised, the rejected, the hated. People no one else notices. His heart is for them. (laughs) They try to shut Bartimaeus up. Man, Bartimaeus will not be denied. Oh no. This guy, Luke says in verse 39, he just cries out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you think about, think about Bartimaeus for a second. Blind man, begging on the side of the street. Just try to picture him in your mind. And this man, this man was a needy man. He, he had a serious need in his life, and he knew it. He was also a helpless man. He knew he could do nothing to heal his own blindness. He was also a humble man. (laughs) Bartimaeus was not proud. He he wasn't concerned here about keeping up appearances with all these people. Worried about what they might think if he made a scene here. Too proud to ask Jesus for help. This was a humble man. Man, he, He didn't have a thing in the world to lose. He didn't give a rip what people thought about him. He was more than willing to ask Jesus for help Loudly and repeatedly. (laughs) Needy, helpless, humble. You know what blind Bartimaeus is right here? He's like a child. He's like a child. Earlier in this chapter in Luke 18, 16, Jesus said that the kingdom of God The blessings of the kingdom of God belong to people who are like children. And here it is. A blind beggar who's like a child at heart. Needy like a child. Helpless like a child. Humble like a child. God has given us a picture of someone who's child at heart. A child at heart right there in Bartimaeus. Man, you know the best part about Bartimaeus? He also had faith like a child. (laughs) He believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And he also believed that Jesus was willing and able to help him. He had faith like a child. And man, in in his faith, his, his faith in Jesus caused him to cry out to Jesus over and over again. Needy, helpless, humble, full of faith, like a child, a blind beggar looking to Jesus for help for his physical blindness. Man, listen. That right there, that is the way to go to Jesus for help with your spiritual blindness. That's the way to go go to him for for. Help with your lostness. And you must go to Jesus needy, confessing to him that you are a lost and blind sinner. You must go to him helpless, admitting that you can do nothing 
to, to heal yourself from this spiritual blindness. You can do nothing to save yourself from your lostness. You must also go to him humble. Not trying to keep up appearances with people. Too proud to ask Jesus and other people for help. But not caring what people think. And freely asking Jesus and other people for help. And man, you, you got to go to Jesus in faith. Believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the, the one and only true Savior. Be- believing that Jesus is able and willing to help you. If you want to be healed of y- your spiritual blindness, your, your lostness, you go to Jesus like a child. Like Bartimaeus. Needy, helpless, humble. In faith, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Amen. You don't go to you don't just go to Jesus like that initially. To have him heal you of your spiritual blindness. To to have him save you from your lostness. No, you also then go to Jesus like that for every other subsequent need that you might have. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, someone who has already been healed of spiritual blindness through faith in Christ, someone who's already been saved from lostness, whatever your need is today, Go to him like Bartimaeus, like a child, needy, helpless, humble in faith. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me with my family. Have mercy on my physical body. Have mercy on me at work. Have mercy on me with my, neighbor, my neighbors. Have, have mercy on me. And Jesus will hear your cry. Hopeless condition a desperate plea. And the last thing here is a merciful healing. You look at verse 40 again. And Jesus stopped and commanded Bartimaeus to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. (laughs) And so... So over the noise of this crowd here, Jesus hears this blind beggar crying out for mercy, and Luke says that Jesus stopped. (laughs) I love it. The sun stood still that day. The sun, S-O-N, sun. Son of David, the son of God stood still. It's pretty cool when you think about it. Jesus is on a serious mission here, especially at this point in the book of Luke, the one and only Messiah traveling to Jerusalem to to die for the sin of the world. His face is set toward the cross in Jerusalem. Nothing will stop him from accomplishing his mission. Everything the prophets had written about him would be accomplished, and yet the desperate cry from one little blind beggar, and the sun stood still. (laughs) The king, 
along with his entire entourage, stopped. And you, man, you can see there, just on full display, I think, the love and compassion of Christ. And Jesus is infinitely merciful. Infinitely merciful. And the, the genuine, desperate cry for mercy from anyone on this planet, and the, the sun will stand still for that person. And Jesus stops here, calls Bartimaeus over. Blind man, what do you want me to do for you? As if Jesus didn't know. I love it. I think he wanted Bartimaeus to vocalize it. In front of all these people, confessing his faith in Christ, requesting a healing from Christ. And Bartimaeus does, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus then simply says, recover your sight. In the original Greek, Jesus speaks only one word there. A word that could be simply translated as, see! It could either mean, it could either indicate that Jesus was was, was telling Bartimaeus here to regain the sight he had lost at some point, or Jesus was telling Bartimaeus to gain the sight he never had. Bartimaeus, see! Amen. The power of Christ. The, the power of Christ. Just one word from his mouth. And Luke says that immediately Bartimaeus could see. No surgery, no bandages, no adjustments. Just boom, and he sees. Man, could you imagine what that would have felt like for Bartimaeus? I mean, he may, he may have just gone the last 20 years of his life and couldn't see. He may have gone his whole life and could never see a thing. And one word, he sees everything clearly. He could see a flower. He could see a sunset. He could see a a blue summer sky. He could see leaves blowing in trees. Sees everything perfectly. Can you imagine the joy? (laughs) My family and I would watch the video a couple weeks ago. There's a video of of all these um, people who had been deaf their entire lives. And they were being fitted with this device that allowed them to hear for the very first time. And man, these people would hear the voice of their spouse for the first time. They'd hear the voice of their kids for the first time. And they would instantly begin to weep for joy. Being able to hear the people they love. And Bartimaeus can see. Can see his family. He can see. Can you imagine it? And man, the first thing this man probably ever sees here is the face of Jesus. Looking at him and most likely smiling, I'll bet, with great love and compassion for Bartimaeus. And Luke says in verse 43 that Bartimaeus glorified God. <laughs> 
dancing around the street, most likely, is what Luke's telling you right there. And Luke says that this entire crowd here also praised God. Now, I don't know that Bartimaeus knows yet that Jesus is actually God, God in human flesh. But Bartimaeus knows that God just worked through this man somehow, the Messiah, and he is praising God through Jesus, and the people are all praising God. An explosion of joy at the gate of Jericho as Jesus is preparing to die. And Jesus says to Bartimaeus, your faith has made you well. That could also be translated as, your faith has saved you. Which is probably an indication from Jesus that something more than just a physical healing has happened here to Bartimaeus. He has been saved through faith in Christ. And Luke says that Bartimaeus then followed Jesus. Which probably means that Bartimaeus has now become a sold out disciple of Jesus Christ. A merciful healing. And man, listen. That right there is a picture of that which Jesus can do for spiritually blind, lost sinners. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, He came to this earth to give sight to the blind. Way back in Luke 4.18, Jesus says, I have come to proclaim the recovery of sight to the blind. And listen, Jesus came to earth to heal both physical and spiritual blindness. He came to heal the the spiritual blindness of lost sinners. Luke 1.79, Jesus is the sunrise who gives light to those who sit in darkness. Ephesians 1.8, Jesus enlightens the eyes of our hearts. John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not dwell in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus came to heal the spiritual blindness of lost sinners. And all you have to do to be healed by him is come to him. Like Bartimaeus. Like a child. Needy, helpless, humble, in faith, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. Have mercy on me. Come to Jesus like that, and man, Jesus will look at you with love and compassion in his eyes, and he will say, blind man, see! Blind woman, blind child, see. And all of a sudden, Light floods your soul. And for the first time in your life, you truly can see and interpret things in this life clearly and correctly. You can see, not with your physical eyes, but with the eyes of your heart that have now been enlightened by Jesus. Man, here's the cool thing about Jesus, though. He didn't just come to heal our spiritual blindness, our lostness. No, Jesus also came to heal our physical blindness. Jesus, he heals this man's physical eyes here. And and listen, every single time Jesus 
performs a physical healing in the Bible, he is giving us a little foretaste of that which he will ultimately do for every sinner who comes to him in faith. He will first heal you spiritually. Save you from your your lostness, forgiving you of your your sins and, and washing you white as snow. But Jesus will also heal you physically. If you trust in Christ, Jesus will one day heal your physical body of every single weakness, sickness, disease, or frailty. Man, the people on this planet who trust in Christ and yet They are struggling right now in their physical eyes with some type of visual impairment or even even blindness. The believers on this planet who have maybe never seen a thing in their entire lives, Jesus will one day heal their physical eyes. Not necessarily in this lifetime. He could. Jesus, Jesus could heal your eyes in this lifetime. Man, pray, pray for it, sure, but he might not. You know what, you can, you can bank on this. When, when Jesus Christ returns to this earth a second and final time, when, when every genuine believer then rises out of the grave in a perfect glorified body, every believer's eyesight will then be perfect forever. And and do you realize that your eyesight, believer, will then be better than you have ever experienced it before? Because your eyesight will no longer be tainted by sin. You will look through eyes that have not been corrupted by sin. Can you imagine what something like that would look like through those eyes? Oh my word. And Jesus, Jesus will do it. He will do it. The physical healing that Jesus performs here, it's just a little foretaste of that which Jesus will ultimately do for every person who comes to him like Bartimaeus. Man, you come to Jesus like this man here, a needy, helpless, humble in faith, and Jesus will ultimately heal forever both your spiritual and physical blindness. He, he, he will bring you out of darkness and into light forever. And you know why Jesus can do that? Do you know why Jesus can bring you out of darkness and into light? You know why? Because he went the other direction. Jesus Jesus can bring you from darkness to light because he went from light to darkness. Jesus, the eternal Son of God, he descended from the light of heaven into the darkness of this fallen world. He descended into the darkness of the cross. He took the sin of the world upon himself and he descended into the darkness of his Father's wrath for sin. Delivered to the Gentiles. Mocked. Treated shamefully. Spit upon. Whipped. Killed. Jesus went from light to darkness willingly taking the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin. You know what happened to Jesus on the cross? He basically had his eyes put out. Descending in death, 
into both the spiritual and physical blindness. He took our place. He took our place. The Bible says He became sin for us. Man, why did Jesus do it? In order that blind sinners like you and me might see. Jesus, Jesus, man, the one who could see all things perfectly, he took the punishment for our sin, essentially taking on our blindness in order that blind sinners like you and me might receive sight through faith in him. Jesus went from light to darkness in order that we might go from darkness to light. And man, all you have to do is come to him like Bartimaeus. You come to Jesus like that, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And you will see. Both physically and spiritually. Forever. A poem written by George MacDonald back in 1868. Oh Jesus Christ, I am deaf and blind. Nothing comes through into my mind. Although I, although I cannot see thee nor hear, I cry because thou mayest be near. I feel a finger on mine ear. A voice comes through the deafness drear. A hand is laid upon mine eyes. I hear and hearken. See and rise. Or as John Newton said, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Lord God, we thank you. You are a God who is able to open blind eyes. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you are still passing by. We thank you for a man like Bartimaeus who didn't miss his opportunity. He cried out despite what people thought, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I pray you give us a heart to do that, Lord. Lord, we would put our own pride under our feet. We would confess our need, our helplessness. We'd humble ourselves before you. And we would cry out for mercy. I thank you. I pray you give all of us that heart today, Lord. And we thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, that you respond. To one cry for mercy. We thank you for it. In your name, Jesus. Amen.